0: episode 36 of the Rosane Detroit Pistons Podcast. I'm, I'm Carl Rosane. I'm Alex Rosane. And we're recording here on Sunday, lead, the Sunday before the NBA season starts on Tuesday. We kick it off on Wednesday against our rival, the Charlotte Bobcats.
1: Going for the mediocrity crown.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we wanted to go over a few things today about like how we, we're going to look this year why everybody in the media seems to be really down on us and thinks we're going to tank, Um, you know, what our starting lineup looks like and what the sort of different scenarios could be. So why don't we just start off with one thing that's like a, a small point, but a really interesting point is Avery Bradley. I'm not sure if we talked about this last episode, but one of the things that we're, we're really counting on him to be an upgrade over KCP and being like the off awesome on defense. He was second team, all-defense a couple seasons ago. No, first-team all-defense a couple seasons ago. But Kevin Pelton had this whole this article or a mailbag answer where he kind of answered the question, why does he not look very good from the analytics perspective? So uh, Alex, what do you make of that?
1: Well, one thing I make of it is that this season is going to have a big impact on my future view of the scouts versus analytics uh, outlook on defense. The, the only analytics that make any sense to me on defense right now are the plus minus stats and kevin pelton and and some others have done a very good job of taking a good look at uh, a careful look at you know different lineups with avery bradley with isaiah thomas with marcus smart and so forth and appeared to show that bradley uh does does not appear to be above average or or make a positive difference on on boston's defense uh, if you look at the last year
0: and the most damning thing there was that, because most people would say, oh, but he's playing with Isaiah Thomas and he has to kind of make up for him. But then he looked specifically when he played yes. without without Isaiah Thomas. And not only did he not look good, but Marcus Smart did look good and, and sort of had an uptick in that case. So it's sort of like a head scratcher.
1: Yeah. And so he did a really nice job of doing the best to tease it out. Now there's limited sample size lineup data is is hard to interpret, you know, the external validity of it. Like, how's it going to apply to a different situation? But it, so that that's one thing. And then on the other side, players swear up and down Avery Bradley's great. All the all the training camp quotes are just like, yeah, man, this guy's unbelievable in practice. Like, I don't want to be guarded by him. Um, when Avery Bradley wasn't on all, an all-defensive team, there were players just volunteered quotes on Twitter, not even on his team, saying, I can't believe Avery Bradley wasn't it. And then uh, Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press asked the exact question I would like to ask to Van Gundy, which is hey, everyone says Avery Bradley's great, but the plus-minus stats don't show that he's great on defense. What's up with that? And I was so glad he asked that. And Van Gundy had a very satisfying answer to that, which is, I'm aware of that. I like analytics a lot in a lot of situations, but I don't trust them on defense yet. Um, Bradley's only weakness on defense is that taller shooting guards can shoot over him because he's not very tall for a shooting guard. Um, But... Uh, other than that, the analytics just aren't there uh, to tell the the true story on defense, and I think he's good. Well, that's a that's a heartening answer. I think you know it, it's reasonable to think that he that he will be good for us. Um, but it's just it's just one of those things. Wing defenders, in particular, it, 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 maybe it's a system thing. It's just hard to know as a fan who's who's good or not. And so now it's like, who are you going to believe the the players and coaches and scouts of the league or uh, the plus minus stats and the analytics. you know I, I, we're we're gonna find out something important about that this year and uh, I, I have a bad feeling about it like I, I'm just I'm worried I'm gonna be disappointed, but you know uh, Br- Br- he looks really good.
0: yeah, just yeah, and just by analytics alone, he looks about like kCP overall just in general mm-hmm. uh, on, on offense as well. He's a better three point shooter, but he has enough turnovers that it it makes his offensive rating which is a trusted stat, you know, slightly about like KCPs. So really we're, we're looking at him to be, I don't think we should hope for him to be like a, a huge spark plug on offense. We really want to have it be like, it brings our defense from eighth in the league last year to like fifth in the league. And, you know, that's kind of the anchor that propels us to be a good team.
1: Yeah. I think um, inspiring others to play hard all the time, like he does specifically doing uh, pick and roll defense really well. And then, really fitting in better in his role on offense by, by being a little bit better on uh, on three-point shooting and um, you know be, the mechanics of a half-court offense running off picks and stuff like that. Being a secondary ball handler, you might be a little bit better than KCP. We have to hope that makes up for KCP being a little taller and uh, being one of our better um, transition scorers last year. Um, now, I think we would have had to give KCP a long-term max contract to keep him. Um, and I think people would have killed us for giving them that contract. So, you know, we, we did maintain some flexibility in having Bradley on a short-term contract. And,
0: yeah. But, and that well, kind of leads to like an interesting point, like about we've been killed by the press this season. It's been kind of the opposite where we were surprisingly a darling of the, you know, NBA diehards for the predicted wins. Now everyone's just kind of crapping on us. They, first of all, they, everyone is predicting us to tank, uh, to be out of the playoffs in the East, which has gotten way worse this year, with both you know the Bulls and the Pacers trading their stars to the Western Conference. So, uh, and then they're also just slamming Van Gundy for being a terrible manager for hard-capping us and you know just giving away Marcus Morris uh, and and KCP just t- t- trading two starters for one starter who we're going to lose anyway. Uh, but to your point, well, what was the alternative to max out KCP and really lock in our, our future? Um, let's talk a little bit about. I, I to me, I, I thought that I'm again. I'm I'm not trying to be a complete. I mean, we are biased towards Detroit in this podcast. We're fans, but we try to be reasonable fans. I just don't. I don't see a complete argument that for Van Gundy having that be a major blunder. Yeah, I people specifically are
1: killing us for when we signed Langston Galloway this offseason. It put us into a salary cap situation that I. Don't fully understand, but it, it reduced our flexibility for the rest of the offseason because it put us slightly into the luxury tax. Um, and I think uh, I think this might just come down to your philosophy. Um, you, there are different ways to use your cap room. You can just sign a be- uh, an awesome player, and that wasn't really an option to us. We couldn't even get an interview with Al Harford when we had cap room before last season. Um, you can bide your time and absorb other teams' players and some assets into that cap space, uh, which we did to, to get, you know, uh, Anthony Tolliver and other folks before last season. But those assets don't really pay off for a few years if you, you know, get, let's say you get a draft pick by taking somebody's bad contracts. So the other thing you can do is just to sign good players that fit your system and try to be good. And I think he, I think the the... NBA Cognoscenti, you know, the cool kids that I actually think are cool and I read a lot, you know, the ringers.com, uh, Zach Lowe, those folks, they, they just will only tolerate two strategies. You're either going to tank or you're going to orchestrate a super team. And if you're doing anything else, you're garbage. And I just don't think we have either of those options. I think we just have to. Make, well, make some bets and try to see whether they pay off.
0: Yeah, I, I do think Zach Lowe's a little bit more reasonable on that front in that he makes the point that to have a chance at signing somebody good, you first have to show that you're good enough as a team to be a plausible place to go. Mm-hmm. And there have been examples of teams that get good enough where suddenly, you know, like Boston, you know, they had, the, the history of a, of a of a city seems to matter less. Like Los Angeles is the all-time you know coolest place to play but they they sock and they have for a while and there's no, and we'll see next year if they can just get Paul George or not but they haven't had luck lately whereas Boston they just got really good and then suddenly they were able to get all of make all these moves to get you know get, to sign the big free agents this offseason so the, the pistons what, what what I think what our strategy would be right now is that if we can make it out of this offseason and not like be able to see how good we are with avery bradley and if it turns out really good we have the chance to try to re-sign him and and maybe attract uh you know some rejiggering where we could actually make a trade for someone who's a star uh but but if we're not then we still have the chance to just not sign avery bradley like what if it turns out that avery bradley is really is just kind of like a kcp replacement level player well we also don't want to max him out right
1: yeah that's right We we bought ourselves some time. He's a trade chip too. I mean, he's exactly the type of guy who um, a a conference finals level team would love to slot into their rotation. A lot of the like uh, finals teams would start him. I mean, I think Cleveland would start Avery Bradley if you gave him to him now. I think he would start over Dwayne Wade and J.R. Smith. Um, I think there's a a bunch of those teams out in the West who really could use. uh, Think about um, uh, Oklahoma City. You know, instead of thinking about Andre Robertson, they could have Avery Bradley. You know, just there's a bunch of teams that could really use a guy like him. So we have that trade that He's on a great contract for this season. We have that chance to evaluate him.
0: We'll see. You know, the other thing I, I like, which is not real, I mean, people also say that we gave up Marcus Morris, who was a, you know, solid starting NBA player uh, along with KCP. But what, what that helps us right now is it opens up our lineup. So Stanley Johnson's going to start this year. and. If we're going to be good, we need to have some of our lottery picks pan out. Uh, last year, he was kind of on Van Gundy's shit list, and we just kind of had a lot of we had a lot of people at the three four position, so he didn't really play much. He's going to start this year. He has a real chance to have a good attitude, be a defensive first, uh, make sound offensive decisions when he has a chance to, uh, kind of person. And I'm really excited to see that. I'm not, not to say that that's you know, a a strategy to sign, to, to give away good starters so that you can have a chance to play your rookies. But as a fan, that'll be fun to see, you know, just to see if he's good.
1: Yep. Uh, So we, I think we have a coherent strategy for this year that it's not fashionable, but like we're just, we're making a bet that is pretty reasonable. We, we kept all our draft picks and if it doesn't pan out, you know, after two years, most of these contracts expire. Like, three years from now, I think we only have Andre Drummond under contract. I think after next year, um, Tobias and uh, a couple other guys' contracts expire. So it's not like we locked ourselves into six years of being awful. So, anyway, I, we keep going back to this point. Like, you you have to pick a strategy and, and stick with it. And I think one of the things people don't understand when they're saying we're going to tank is that it, it really does sound like Gores and Van Gundy are on the same page. that Like, we, we're committed to having this... There's one way we're going to try to do it. it. It's going to last a certain number of years, and then if it doesn't work, it's over. Van Gundy signed a five-year contract. He has this year and next year left into it. Co- coincidentally, after next year, after those next two years, we don't have much committed, so we can just start from scratch and try again. Um, I think that the um, the teams talking about us being making these moves being really dumb are assuming that. Um, Gores isn't willing to pay the tax to, as part of this strategy because they're talking about oh the Pistons are in tax hell. Zach Lowe mentioned that a couple of times in recent articles. Oh, the, the Pistons are in tax hell, and so now they can't get out get out of it. He Lowe even predicted that we would trade Tobias Harris either during the year or after the season to get rid of some ca- some salary space to get it out of the tax. Well, if we do that, then we really were dumb to sign the John Lewis and Langston and Galloways of the world because that means that we weren't. Uh, going into it with our eyes open, understanding that paying people money means that you don't have the money anymore. (laughs) But what I think is happening is that people don't trust that Gores and Ben Gundy are on the same page, and they're assuming that, like most GMs in this situation, the the owner will blink and decide, I'm not paying the tax, and then fire the GM. Uh, If that happens, then Gore really made a mistake or, or really chickened out at the last minute. And We we got to ride this out for this year and next year, and then we just have wide open space in front of us that can and can be flexible from there.
0: Yeah, Um, another thing about that is nerve wracking is that uh, between the the national pundits, both the national pundits are are hinting of that they think we're going to tank, or like boy, if we get up to a, a short start. A, a bad start. Van Gundy's days could be numbered. Things like that, and also just the fact that Vegas has us at uh, thirty-eight and a half wins. You know, that's last year we won thirty-seven, thirty-seven, thirty-seven wins, and and everything went really wrong. We went from a forty-four win team to a thirty-seven win team, where we had the combination of a really bad injury to our most important offensive player, and uh, Drummond kind of taking a step back by trying to be to to not play to his strengths on offense. Things like that. And there's no re- – so if everything went really wrong, um, it, it just doesn't seem like that's the most likely scenario. It seems like we have made modest improvements. We've addressed our biggest shortcoming in being really bad at three-point shooting and things like that. So uh, you made the – you were kind of anau- an- analyzing different scenarios. And by your estimation, for that over-under to be plausible, uh, there has to be about like a, what, 30% chance or, or that we – That we tank this year?
1: Yeah. yeah, I I was really trying to puzzle over that 38 wins thing because it's like if we keep our roster intact and try hard, it just seems like there's only only like a 20% chance that we are as bad as last year just because everything broke badly last year. So, yeah, there has to be another scenario in play, which is that we tank. Um, And if we um, – if there's all these signs and portents and omens that a lot of people think that Ben Gundy's on the hot seat. It's, it's one of these weird situations where nobody is coming out and reporting it, and it's not part of the narrative and training camp and stuff. No one's saying, oh, you're on the hot seat. Um, and Gores and Van Gundy are saying all the right things about being on the same page. But, you know, the Ringer.com's podcasts, uh, Over Under podcast, all three of their commentators pick the under, and uh, and and they all, and I think most of them use the word tank. Well, what would have to happen for us to tank, I think, is that Van Gundy's fired, because he would not... He would not make the moves required for us to to be bad again. I just think he's not he's not in this to tank and build a team for five years from now. And and Zach Lowe keeps having these omen ominous um sayings. You know, uh, if uh, Pistons are a five and twelve start away from some serious drama, or on a podcast, he would say, um, "Oh boy, things." Uh, you, Things could really get bad in Detroit this year if they get up to a bad start. He also predicted at least one coach is fired by Christmas. He won't name names because that's not nice. But you know, you, you got to think he you, Van Gundy's on the list. So yeah, if you do the math on like if there's like an eighty percent chance that we're better than thirty eight wins if we if we keep status quo, and there's a hundred percent chance that we're worse than thirty eight wins if we tank. You know, do, you you can make various assumptions, but you come out between thirty and forty percent chance the chance that we fire Van Gundy and tank is implied by that prediction by Vegas. And, you know, markets and betting markets are pretty good at making predictions and taking into account information. So there's this weird situation where our reporters and the cognoscenti folks, are they hearing whispers that are not solid enough to report on, um, and that's why they think we're going to tank? Or are they just basing it on their own experience and they think how other teams are run, that that's how they think the Pistons should be run and, and Van Gundy should be fired? It, we just have no way of knowing as fans without any solid reporting out there, but um, it really threw it really threw me for a loop to see that that thirty eight win thirty eight point five wins over under and people picking the under and I really had to go back and, and think where that's coming from and where it's coming from is Van Gundy is on the hot seat. It, it, there's just no way. There's just no other way that that could be true.
0: And that's kind of scary. I mean, it would be a way of ripping off a band aid and restarting but for what I mean that would seem I would be very disappointed if that happened there's not really a good history of, ex- of teams never never turn out well when they kind of under bad circumstances decide to 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 tank or, or to, to start to rip things apart yeah. a kind of off schedule I, I just don't see that turning out well for us and it'd be very it's, I would much rather see us really give it a go this year and let's let's take a look at the last couple of seasons two seasons ago, we had 44 wins, and we were 13th in the league on offense. Uh, th- this is offensive rating, the number of points scored per 100 possessions. And we were 12th in the league on defense. And that got us, you know, above 500 and into the playoffs. And th- we were looking at it. And then last year, we were 8th in defense. Uh, we were even better at defense, and we were had the best defensive rebounding team in the history of the NBA. Uh, and But we were 24th in offense. But what's funny is both our three-point percentage and our offensive rating were the same as the year before but the rest of the league has just gotten with, you know, the, with the crazy offenses and everyone shifting to the the pace this you know spacing out and making target and three pace and space, yeah. space uh we're kind of behind on that and, and and because of that just by staying the same we got way worse um so i when you think about what we've done in this offseason to address that and the fact that there's a, a a chance that Reggie Jackson comes back and is as good as he was 2 years ago um it just it doesn't seem like we'll you can imagine a scenario where we actually upgrade to like fifth in defense and then return to middle of the pack in offense and then we could be like a pretty damn good team and have like 45 wins
1: yeah we it, that's a scenario that's it's not like above 50% that that happens yeah but be, because, in particular, you never want to bet on somebody just coming back from having a season ruined by injury and then just being the same. Uh, especially when it's a nebulous injury like tendonitis, um, you just and it's. But you can see us being better than the Sixers, and um, uh, you know the Hawks and Bulls are starting to tank uh, after. Or I'm sorry, the Bulls are going to tank in the. The Hawks are going to be terrible. The Pacers traded their star. We could be better than Charlotte and, and uh, yeah, get up to, in that 45-win range. We could be the, the fifth seed in the East. It's it's uh, There's a non-zero chance that that happens, and it wouldn't take a miracle. It would just take um, some things to break right for us this year.
0: Yeah, and for that reason, if I had to put a, like a Brosan official number on it, I would go with, like, 42 wins. Which honestly, if we got 42 wins, wouldn't be that exciting. It'd be like, okay, so we not, things didn't fall apart, but we're actually about like worse than we were two years ago, and this isn't really going to go anywhere. But that's about where my where I would put like the average outcome.
1: Yeah, I I think that's about right. I mean, what what that would mean to me is that um, you know uh, Reggie Jackson is better than he was last year, but maybe only 80 percent of his two years ago self and um, some things break right, some things break wrong in terms of chemistry and personnel. Um, That's kind of where I would put the over-under, which means that I would bet over on the Vegas odds. In particular, I just think that, you know, a 30 to 40% chance that we start badly enough that Van Gundy's fired and we tank. By the way, I don't think that Van Gundy stays on and we tank is going to happen. I think Van Gundy would would die uh, and just wouldn't do it.
0: Have you ever bet before on sports online?
1: No, I just—I honestly, I just don't feel like figuring out how to do
0: it. Yeah, I feel like there's a way to do it, and like the, I, I looked into it for like 20 minutes one time, and it wasn't obvious. So it's I, sort of like I think it's semi-shady, but I, I'm almost tempted to like put 100 bucks on the over because I feel I, like I am too. I, yeah,
1: it, it just Gor Gores and Van Gundy. I just get the sense that they're on the same page, and if you're going to fire him after this season, you may as well just like wait till his contract wait wait until after the season. And and firemen have a, a an off season of re of rejiggering things or something.
0: So yeah, and if, that, and if that happens, then we could do something like like if it turns if we're really looking like we're not gonna we're gonna be mediocre and Reggie Jackson sucks this year and 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 it, we're just kind of languishing on offense. Uh, then we could do we could look to put together a trade package of Tobias Harris. And Avery Bradley to, to get to, to kind of have the first piece of a re, of like what's happening in our in our in our future.
1: Yeah, and and we have a few young players who may may pan out. Luke Kennard is uh, well thought of by a lot of scouts, and he might be um, a real NBA player. Uh, as we mentioned, Stanley Johnson still has a glimmer of hope. I think he's actually pulled ahead of Justice Winslow in my mind in the uh, the bitter Pistons fan Winslow versus Johnson uh, race. Uh, Justice Winslow. Uh, is might be out of the playing rotation in Miami, and Miami is a team that's of similar quality to us. You know, people are betting for the, on them to be better than us because they're they're hot finish to the season. But like they won forty one games last year with this roster. Uh, I don't see what why any reason to be one hundred percent certain that they're better than us.
0: Yeah, I've, so I would put the thing is I think it's unlikely we actually win. For I mean, when, it's, it's it's always unlikely that some specific out win outcome is going to happen. I I think it's going to be. Pretty clear. Twenty games into the season, where we're headed, um, and, and and what I'm really hoping it would be so satisfying if things just come together and we're looking to be like you know up there with you know we're, like we end up definitely being better than, Charlotte, Miami, and Philadelphia and Charlotte, and we're kind of like neck and neck with the Bucks and maybe nipping at the at the Washington's heels. That would be awesome, and, and it would just be like, all right, everybody, like chill out. We we. We had a we had a bad season last year because Reggie Jackson was injured. We made some reasonable adjustments. Stanley Johnson pans out to, ma- to make up for the fact we don't have Marcus Morris. And things are looking up, and that would be so awesome. It just to yeah. like, say screw you to, to everybody, but it could also turn out really badly. But- and,
1: and Drummond is a, another year older. He's saying the right things. He had that nose surgery to open up his breathing. He's shooting free throws well in the preseason, which at least gives me a uh, hope that he might approach fifty percent for this year, and if he's at fifty percent, the problem is is over. I think you you, you don't have a, a you know uh, an albatross in he, your offense if yeah. you have a fifty percent free throw shooter. Yeah,
0: he went six for six and six for eight in in the two preseason games, and that does not seem likely for someone who is a thirty eight percent free throw shooter. Yeah, uh, I think I did some basic probability, and this like there would be like a thirteen percent chance that someone that bad at free throws would get, would, would make 6th in a row ever in the entire season. So the fact that he, like, right off the bat did that makes me feel like – I don't think he's going to become like Steve Nash at the line, but uh, I, I'm really hoping he's, like, a 50 you know 50, 60%. That would make a and then, huge, huge difference.
1: And then, you know, there's hope that Jackson will be back. We got some more role players that can shoot to open up the floor. And our whole team building – our whole um, – uh, the spirit on our team this season and the preseason is about uh, the the line is get uh, what what is it do what makes you great or get to your greatness unlock your greatness and what that means I think it's it's all one big subtweet towards Andre Drummond like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should you should only do the things that make that make you elite roll hard to the rim and finish don't do hook shots from five feet away I was looking at that optimistically the last couple of years as an investment and. In, drummond's you know ability to create from the post um but you know if if he just didn't develop along that lines i think it was worth a try if he stops doing it it just helps a lot and uh i believe the writer uh duncan smith who covers the pistons for various outlets pointed out that um drummond has had a lot fewer post um ending possessions from the post this preseason than he uh, did in during the season last year and that they and they came out better so it, it appears that at least at the start he's taking to heart the um, you're not that 's not going to be the main way we use you on offense only only uh, post up if you get great position and if you don't have great position we 're doing something else on offense so there 's all these things that point in a in a hopeful direction it it, it really does to a great extent come down to reggie jackson 's knee and that's why I'm at 42 wins if Reggie Jackson came back and everyone agreed that he's 100% healthy and he looked great in the preseason i might i might go uh more like 44 wins but we're we're not there, there there's a there's a, a really good chance that he's just never the
0: same yeah and that that's why that's the biggest thing i'm worried about everything else besides reggie jackson looks optimistic but i i don't have a great gut feeling about him i maybe i mean one thing that's really cool is that the pistons official podcast now publishes it basically has a feed of every uh interview which is so if you're a fan you should definitely listen to it it's pretty cool uh but when i hear reggie jackson being interviewed i just don't get a great feeling maybe that's just the way he is and i shouldn't read too much into it but like um i don't know like he just sort of has all these platitudes and doesn't have a lot of energy and um i don't know and i just feel like if if he's not if he if he does not come back uh with that first step that he had a couple of years ago that made him really a top ten uh, or top five offensive player at, at the point guard position. Yeah, That's just a huge difference uh, in, in our team. Yeah, I, and
1: going back to something you said a few minutes ago about um, t- rebuilding off schedule doesn't work out well, I mean, that that's why I think that riding this season out, no matter what, is probably the way to go, and, and then we can rebuild in the future. Uh, because if it, you know people talk about oh well Drummond's disappointing so you should trade him like you don't you don't sell low on an asset I mean you if Drummond is disappointing that means that what we would get back for him is disappointing so where have you really gotten yourself and oh you, know, you could get get his contract off and, and have a shorter commitment but you would have to give up a draft pick or something to do that So you, I think the smart bet is still on, the hope that the legitimate hope we have for our young team that that's developing that was good on defense. If we play hard, we, we could be a scrappy success. Um, but w- what you said about the uh, about Reggie and the interviews, I'm really getting some like insincere Dwight Howard vibes from him. Like it, it, just in terms of chemistry and personality. I just you know how Dwight Howard would say the right things, but everyone behind the scenes said that everyone like you. Whenever he leaves a the team, there's all this reporting that says that, like, yeah, nobody liked him, he was a bad leader. He would say the right things about how we all need to pull together, and then he would just go out and not try hard if he didn't get post-touches. And so, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens with, with Reggie. I mean, the, he he did say something that I really liked in, in some after-practice interviews in preseason, which is that how much he's talking with Andre about how important it is for the offense, for Andre to roll hard to the rim, and that unlocks everything everybody does. That was a... Um, that was great for a number of reasons. It shows that Reggie's trying to be a leader. It shows that he understands something that's true and really important about our offense, mm-hmm. um, and it shows that that's an idea that's floating around the team that I hope Andre takes to heart because um, that really that really is what unlocks our offense. And that's you know Andre had a, a season I think three or four years ago where he had a really high win win shares, and that was when the role he was playing in offense was offensive rebounds and rolling hard to the rim only, um, and like. Uh, um, Andrew Bynum was like throwing alley to him and stuff like that. <laughs> um, no, not Andrew Bynum. No. Will Bynum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bynumite. Uh, boy, that that was a that was dumb. Um, so anyway, this is all 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 to say there are a number of different ways this could play out. I think the national folks might be reading it wrong in terms of how likely we are to tank or how likely we are to pull the plug, and the instinct to have it to be disgusted with. Um, a a, a guy you thought was going to be good being disappointed, to to trade him right away I think is not rational. I think you just – the the fact of the matter is we had to make a bet, and we bet on Andre and Reggie. This probably uh, is not looking great for that leading us to a championship, but now we just have to see that through. It's not stupid to sign a guy who later gets injured. It's just you can't know if a guy's going to get injured. And uh, that's just where we are. I, I think we're going to have a watchable team this year.
0: Well, let's talk about the 3-4 a little bit. We have Stanley Johnson and Tobias Harris starting. Last year, we had John Lura starting. And as soon as he moved into the starting lineup, he started to stink. He was, yeah. he, was very, he was a solid player off the bench. And he didn't seem to be able to handle the extra minutes or pressure or increased yeah. defensive uh, competency that he faced. So him coming – but he, if he's coming off behind Tobias Harris um, – and also, we have Tolliver now, who could come in, and he he was he had a really good year last year. Uh, where was he? Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento. Uh, he would have been our best three point shooter last year. Um, and so I, so I want I kind of wonder, like, if if Stanley Johnson turns out to not be able to handle starting at the three, we could move Tobias Harris over there, and then we have John Lure and, and Tolliver to to work with at power forward. Uh, and one one person worth giving a shout out to, I don't think, but who I don't think is gonna. Make or break our season, but we might actually see him play a little bit as Henry Ellenson.
1: Yeah, he's he's been, by all accounts, really solid and very consistent in the in training camp and the preseason. And he is a skilled guy who gives us a little bit of a different look. He can handle the ball, and um, he's just unusually skilled for a guy his size. I don't think he's going you know, to be a make a huge impact this season, but he's a, he's young, he's large, and he's skilled. And you
0: know, so for our what sixteenth pick in the draft a couple years ago to see, it's nice to see everyone you've invested in in a first round pick, at least have a shot at having some impact. So last last year it was like zilch. So it's nice to see some signs that he might we might see him a little bit.
1: And if he if he looks good, that means that we have tons of depth at the power forward, and that you know that might unlock things for a trade a little bit. You know, Carl, you mentioned that Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris package earlier. I feel like that is a package that, along with draft picks or something, could get us somebody good, depending on the, the value proposition, if we, if we feel like we have depth at those positions and there's an opportunity to get somebody. I'm, I, I really shouldn't speculate about you know, specific trades because I, I don't have a very good track record of predicting those things, but it just seems like that's a package of players that we could, we could give up and another team might find th- both of those players really useful in the rotation on a playoff team. So I like, I like our roster um, just from a, a design standpoint I mean obviously you'd like to have more talent and the way you win is to have a, a max player who's worth more than the max um, and, and we just we just didn't get lucky and draft any of those we, we didn't we never won the lottery um, that's, the, that's the trouble with uh, you know you uh, with being mediocre is you end up with the 7th, 8th pick. We never got lucky and won the lottery, and we were not lucky for enough years in a row that it's actually kind of unlucky. Like, we should have... It seems like we should have gotten the top three pick one of those years, but... Um, and, uh, and even if you do get really high up in the lottery, it, it can be really painful. I mean, Minnesota is in year 13 of a stretch where they where they only had one season where they even cracked 40 wins, including last year when they were the dar- one of the darlings of t- people p- picking they were going to be uh, 50 wins. They're in their second go-round of rebuilding. Now they look like they have a really good foundation with towns. Uh, Orlando is in – this will be year seven of, uh, of being terrible. Um, I just – I really want to hang on to being okay with hope for the future for as long as we can sometime in the next year or two we we might have to pull the plug but like there's just no way we should do it like early in this season in my opinion
0: yeah and in the meantime season there's 80 82 games you can watch as a fan and it's a lot more fun if you are in the middle of the pack of the playoff hopes so it would be fun to be you know like i said before around the four or five hopes in the east it wouldn't be that fun to be like just barely making the playoffs again we kind of had that quote-unquote, fun a couple of years ago. But, you know, we're downtown Detroit now. It'll be more fun to go to more games. And if we're actually pretty good, I would definitely take that over, like you said, uh, an eight-year terrible run building up towards more hope by having a couple of uh, high draft picks. And you know what? This is a key year for Drummond. It's, it's still possible he could pan out to be like a DeAndre Jordan kind of player and, and go from there. I am I, no longer going to say – Better than Andre Jordan because if he was as good as him, I'd be quite happy at this point. But uh, start there, and we'll see where we go. Yeah, any
1: given night you turn on the game, there's a fifty-fifty chance we could win, roughly, mm-hmm. and that's that's worth watching. And also, if we if we tank, um, we, you know, we're, the Pistons are playing in an arena that the owner doesn't own. There's that leaked memo that came out a month ago or so that showed that the Pistons lost a lot of money last year on an operating basis. I don't quite believe the owner's accounting on That most teams are losing money because then why are the teams selling for two billion dollars? Like there's there's just something that doesn't add up there. But but it, you know Gores could really justify uh, moving the team if we're if we pull the plug on it and we're terrible and then the fans don't show up to the games because we're bad. I I just we just don't want to get that stink on us. I think we might be in a situation like Indiana or Milwaukee where um, we're just not we just don't have the solid enough. Depth of the the fan base or the the money machine that the Knicks and the Lakers have to withstand a five year tanking ordeal. Um, I'm not saying I you know I would predict that we would move, but I you know that's a glimmer off in the distance that might be something to worry about. So why don't we just try
0: to be good and see what happens? Agreed. Well, I don't know. That was kind of an efficient podcast. Thirty six minutes in, usually we blab for about an hour, but I think we're had an organized set of things we wanted to discuss and let's just see how it turns out. We'll be really excited. And the first game of the season, we're playing one of the, one of our key rivals. And that'll be a, I mean, a litmus test to start th- to start off our hopes. If we beat Charlotte on our opening night, that'd be a great start. It will be. Yeah. Go Pistons.